Uh, I do want to start this morning with the latest on what's been happening in Iran. And, and obviously, we've been following the protests there, which have been pretty incredible. Uh, but certainly, you know, there's, there's a lot for us to keep track of uh, here at home and globally. And so maybe this has fallen off the headline a little bit. We're at an interesting moment here. Iran has publicly hanged a 23-year-old man. And it's the second execution linked to these protests. So this is something we're going to have to keep a close eye on. It feels like Iran is doing this as a show of force to try to put an end to these protests. Global's Redmond Shannon has more on why human rights groups are calling the trial a sham that led to the execution and the pressure on global leaders to do more to hold Iran accountable. The last known video of Majid Reza Ranavard alive before his execution. The 23-year-old in an Iranian court appearing to justify his hatred of Iran's Basij volunteer paramilitary force. Authorities convicted him of killing two Basij members based on this grainy CCTV footage and a recorded statement after his arrest where he neither confessed to nor denied the attack. His execution was just three weeks after the incident and just four days after Mosin Shikari was also hanged for assaulting another Basij member. These executions have taken place following sham politically motivated trial with the authorities violating the most basic standards of fair trial. There is serious concern that he had been subjected to torture and other ill treatment. Human rights groups say almost 500 other protesters have been killed in clashes with authorities. The countrywide demonstrations began in September after the death of Masa Amini in custody. A arrested for wearing her hijab improperly. Even in the close officials to the government, they, they admitted that the government is in a very dark situation. It's just quite desperate and they are trying whatever they can to just intimidate people. And it's not working as of yet. Canada added 22 more Iranians to a sanctions list last week. The EU followed on Monday. We are targeting those responsible for this continued repression against protesters. As other protesters face execution, human rights advocates say the international community should go further to target the assets of Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei, as well as those of Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps. A Canadian court has ruled it to be a terrorist entity, but the Trudeau government has yet to fully classify it as such. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. Okay, so joining us uh, for more on this story, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here today, Kaveh Sharuz, who's a lawyer, human rights activist, and a senior fellow of the McDonald Laurier Institute Center for Advancing Canada's Interest Abroad. Kaveh, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me on. I mean, even by the, the regime's standards, here we have a situation where, where this uh, alleged uh, killing or killings occurred less than a month ago to go from charge to trial to execution. What do we make of that, first of all? Well, I think you were right in the lead-up uh, to this interview to point out that this is the regime's effort at, at sort of trying to demonstrate its strength and trying to instill fear in the hearts of the revolutionaries. Um, I think it is badly miscalculated. Uh, you know, I, I, I think from from what I see, you know, in, in speaking to friends in Iran and seeing what's being said on social media, uh, people are not afraid. People are actually furious with what has happened. Um, this has been one of the most blatant examples, and this is a regime that has, you know, 40 years of human rights abuses uh, to its name, but this is really one of the most blatant examples of it using execution as a, as a tool not to achieve anything resembling justice, but to, you know, uh, make people cower, and I think it's, uh, it's backfired badly. 
So we've had two very public hangings, but from what we understand, there, there are many more potentially who have already been sentenced to death linked to the protest. What, what do we know about that? Yeah, my understanding from reading human rights reports is that there are at least 18 people now uh, facing the death penalty. Um, I believe five or six of them, one of them was actually just executed, so I, I think maybe five of them um, have actually already been sentenced. And, um, you know, what your listeners need to understand is these people are sentenced for a crime called Muharrabah, which means war with God. I mean, just, just it, it's hard for, for people in the West to, to conceive of the medieval charges that this regime brings against um, its opponents. So, I mean, how do, you, how do you prove that you're not, you know, engaged right. in war against God? Um, that's what they're facing. And the regime, I think, is, is probably calculating its, its options, trying to figure out if more executions will quiet down these protests. But these people are at real risk of, of being executed. Well, yeah, part of it is watching to see what what impact it has on the protest, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm sure part of this is, you know, a test internationally, right? I mean, to see what, if any, reaction there is from the global community. I think that's exactly right. And I think it's that's why it's so important that the international community respond forcefully and quickly. Um, there has been a wave of condemnations. I mean, obviously, you know, this, this behavior should be condemned, but it should be paired with other action, other sort of more concrete steps for the international community to take to actually punish Iran uh, for, you know, engaging in this awful medieval behavior. Right. And so what, what can we do then? Well, there, uh, there are a number of options. So, you know, first of all, Iran still continues to operate in the international community, you know, in, in diplomatic fora and so on. It needs to be completely isolated in those places. So believe it or not, Iran, with its record of misogyny and gender apartheid, sits on the UN Commission on the Status of Women. Now, there's going to be a vote held tomorrow. Um, this is unprecedented, but there's going to be a vote held tomorrow to possibly kick Iran off. I, I really hope that happens. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Iran needs to be kicked off of all of these um, types of uh, types of uh, forums and, and institutions. Um, but the other thing that the international community needs to do is to identify Iranian agents that have, you know, that are living abroad, that have brought assets abroad. I think that's really what will hurt them the most, is if they know that they can't escape to other countries, and if they have escaped, and if, they, if they've taken money abroad, uh, you know, these countries in the West will no longer be their safe haven. Well, and something we've talked about before is the idea of, of labeling or listing the IRGC in Canada as a terrorist organization. The government has resisted that up until this point, but that, that's still, still an option we have, isn't it? It absolutely is, and I think it would be important to do so. We have to do it carefully. There are some people that are conscripted into the IRGC to serve. Um, we obviously don't want to hurt them for things that they did against their will. But for the most part, the IRGC is nothing but an absolute criminal and terror enterprise. Um, it is incredibly violent. It has killed Canadians. Um, it has killed people all over the world. Um, it needs to be labeled as a terror group, and doing so would actually ensure that the wide network that it has, a financial network of support that it has, would be captured and it would be criminalized. You know, and it's after the fact, obviously, but we had Iran participating at the World Cup. Russia was excluded, and Russia's been excluded mm -hmm. from other international events. I know the Iranian players showed a lot of bravery and, and may still pay a price for some really modest signs of dissent. But was that a missed opportunity, or, or how do we respond to try to make the regime an, an international pariah of sorts going forward? 
I think you raise a really good point. I think Iran should not have been permitted to participate, not as a way of punishing the players or the Iranian people, but as a way of showing that, you know, Iran, and everything in Iran is politicized, right? Sport is very much politicized, and it's used as a propaganda tool for, you know, what's called sports washing by the, by the Iranian regime. If we've taken this step with respect to Russia, and I think we were right to do it, there is no reason why we shouldn't do it with respect to Iran, which is effectively an apartheid state that kills people, um, left and right and, you know, represses, uh, peaceful protesters. Um, you know, there's, there's actually no principled reason why Russia was not permitted to participate in Iran was. Well, we'll see where this all goes from here. Much more to McDonaldLaurier.ca. Cabby, thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.